Hello, everyone.、Uh, welcome to another episode of Spark Your Vision, where we invite business leaders from various industries to share with us their insights and experience on current trending topics that's shaping the business world.、Uh, so, before we begin, let me introduce the team.、Uh, my name is Chen, and、uh, I will be the host for today's show. And along with my two talented、uh, co-hosts, Alice and Wen,、uh, please say hi to everyone. Hi everyone, I'm Alice. Hello everyone, I am Wen. So,、um, without further ado, let me introduce、uh, our special guest for today,、uh, Joseph Lin, the executive assistant to chairman、uh, at Soco Machinery. Joseph Lin, please introduce yourself as well. What your company does. Hello, everybody. I'm Joseph Lim from Soco Machinery. If you now live in Taiwan, you might find my job title, the Executive Assistant to Chairman, quite interesting. It actually means that my father is the boss of this company. Let me briefly introduce Soco. Soco is a machinery company that makes metal tube fabrication equipment, like a tube cutting machine, tube bending machine. To chamfer machine and laser cutting machines. All these machines is used to make metal tube into products that use in our daily life. Like in automotive, you have your、uh, cars. You need you need your muffler.、Yep. You have your gas pipe. You have your air conditional pipe, and you have your car seat. And like in bicycle, the whole frame of the bicycle is made by tubes. Yeah. And like in furniture, like in sports equipment or some medical ads like bed. Or some wheelchair, all these things in your life is made by metal tubes. So we are the equipment maker that help people building their life better. Well, essentially, without Soco Machinery, our life wouldn't be able to live as the way it is right now. Before we begin the program, I always like to sort of start out on a personal side. I took a look at your background, your、mm-hmm. education background, and your working experience from the very beginning. In education, you were along the way, undergrad, graduate school. It was all very technical、uh, background. However, as a second generation business leader, which currently also in the process of hopefully one day succeeding the position, did you have to overcome that and maybe your Pure technical background. Sometimes, in some ways, learn about the non-technical side of the business. I would say that like the biggest challenge is、uh, how to handle people. When the first few years I joined Soco, I'm purely working in the engineering fo- field.、Yeah. Like I'm mainly dealing with computers,、yeah. machines, and physics, and I can do a lot of experiments without even talk to people for、yeah. whole days. It's pure logic. Yeah, and. But when I gradually move into more management job, I work in sales department and operation department for like three years, and、uh, I find out that I need to communicate with people to coordinate with people more. People is hard to convince by pure logic. Computer is like it will do whatever you tell it to do. Exactly. exactly. But people, you have to convince them. You have to persuade them. Yeah. You have to guide them. Exactly. Or misguided them. So people have emotion. They have desire. Yeah. They have their own ambitions. Everybody wants different things, so I have to act accordingly to make connection with them and to understand them and have more a new way to do things. And but I think that the more trickier part of this process is that 250 people in、yeah. our company right now in Taichung. Okay, it is impossible to keep track of everybody's names, so it's very hard to use your personal charisma. To interact with people right now, what I'm doing our company is that I try to build our company culture. The culture is 
like a big word, but it's actually just people's habits. Culture is a very good tool to guide people or to align people to do something to achieve the common goal. And even if these people are not very related, they don't know each other that much, but they can work for the same goal. No, I think what you mentioned on the mm-hmm. ladder, that's with people, with culture. Mm-hmm. I think those are not the stuff that you learn in engineering department. Another thing that was quite interesting, is, because I understand you're one of the founding members of G2, yeah. uh, which is one of the largest uh, second-generation business platforms here in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And so you not only witnessed the, the start of the organization, but also at the same time, you've also experienced a side where maybe due to the pandemic, you guys were not able to fully engage face-to-face. A couple of years ago in 2020, you were the acting president, the association. And then early 2020, I think that was slowly coming back and we were opening up a little bit. And so when you were the acting president of G2, how did you sort of brought the members back again onto the platform and encourage sort of the member engagement among themselves as well as the external? Actually, that's a really difficult time for G2 and for myself. When I first became president, I had actually prepared a very big event. Yeah. There was about 120, 30 people registered to yeah. attend. But just before the event, there is a major outbreak in Taipei. We have to decide either to cancel the event or change it to online. And we make it change to online within two days. That's what we're pretty proud about ourselves. But these kind of things keep happening during 2020 and 21. Our plan is keep disrupting. If it's the things like this total close down, you don't have to worry. You just stay at home. You just have all the online meetings, that's okay. But the challenge is you don't know if it's opened up or is you have to close down in your home. So The uncertainties, right? The, the uncertainty is the problem. At that time, we come up with an idea that we call small and big G2. The small part is that we divided G2 into smaller groups. Each group consists of like 16 to 18 people. Each group have its own group leader. And we encourage this group leader to hold their small gathering, like a study group or like field trip to our members' factory, our members' company, or even a just small dinner party that everybody can share. For the big part is that we still have big online gathering that everybody in the G2 can join. Besides the seminar, besides the speakers that we invited, we also show photos and videos, and we ask the group leaders to share what have they been doing with this smaller event. We want to create a sense of shared experience and memories, which can help us build a stronger sense of community. And in 2021, this strategy pretty much worked out. And we have successfully held around 60 to 70 this little event. So if you ask me that, does this epidemic is the downtime for G2? Well, I would say no. Is actually giving us more active vibe to the whole platform. So by having these smart groups, you're almost diversifying risks as well, right? Having yes. them, mm-hmm. you know, sort of operate on its own, but mm-hmm. however, at the same time, still be able to encourage mm-hmm. that the member-to-member engagement. In fact, this process, it looks like it will continue on yeah. even mm-hmm. after the pandemic yes. into the new normal. And mm-hmm. hopefully with this new process, mm-hmm. with or without the pandemic, it will thrive on its own, I think. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of pandemic, we have to sort of talk about that a little bit because it's something that none of us 
was expecting. It was a black swan, right? Yeah. yeah, no one was expecting it, but it just happened. And so I heard somewhere, I mean, here in Asia, we're usually sort of late on digital transformation. One of the common things for digital transformation is digital marketing, right? Yeah. So because during those two or three years, mm -hmm. we don't have the face-to-face -face opportunity, so we have to maybe utilize digital marketing to mm -hmm. engage our customers. And I was looking at your YouTube channels mm -hmm. and some of the contents that you guys are putting out there is, mm -hmm. is quite interesting. I mean, it's not your typical traditional B2B, hi, know my product and that and all that stuff, but you really focus on the storytelling aspect of yes. it. Also sharing the application, the people. I mean, what's the reasoning behind that? As you said, that because of the pandemic, before the pandemic, we have around like 30 to 40 exhibition show yeah. every year okay. all around the world. Wow, okay, that's a lot. And so because of the pandemic, we kind of saved a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, one, of the, okay, one of the few benefits yeah, of yeah. pandemic, right? <laughs> At the beginning of the pandemic, we started thinking about how we are going to use this budget yeah. because we still need this business. Yeah. And uh, we started to research on YouTube and to see what's interested. Actually, people are more interested in, in things that happen around people. They are not interested only like a product introduction. For example, like, uh, let me ask you a question. Assuming you were to have a sandwich for lunch, what would be the reason for you to choose this sandwich? Is it because the sandwich is delicious or because it is cheap? That's a good question. I think for me, I would look at, you know, what time of the day. I mean, if mm -hmm. it's just something where I'm just on a go, mm -hmm. you know, I'm working, I mm -hmm. don't have time to enjoy it too much, mm -hmm. then I probably want to go with a cheaper option. Yeah. But if I am, you know, spending time with friends, you know, mm -hmm. like you, if we're yeah. having lunch, yeah, we want to enjoy ourselves, then mm -hmm. delicious might be important as well, right? Yeah. So it really depends on the situation. But like I said, I think deliciousness to me is important, yeah. Yes. And actually, this is a trick question. Trick question. Because yeah. the answer is neither of that. The most important reason for me to choose this sandwich is that I'm hungry. So people buying things not because of the thing is good. They don't buy things because this product is good, it's cheap, it's effective or anything. They buy these things because they have needs and they want to buy things to fulfill their needs. People buy machines from us because they want to make things. They want exactly. to make money, not because my machine is the best most advanced or fastest in the market or cheapest in the market. So we want to share this by real example, how we work with our customer, how we discovered their needs, and how we work out a solution to fulfill that needs. And with our engineering team and with our service team, that we not only provide the product, but provide a solution and provide the whole service afterward to success and to growth with our customer together. Okay, okay. And so it really starts with a need, right? Yeah. And how can you solve their problem and, mm -hmm. and help them make money? Yes. I think that's the key, right? Yeah. Yes, and these things, I think it's very important, especially in digital marketing, because you don't have human contact. contact. Yeah. So it's hard to convince people. Yeah. You can have many, many big words, you have many very fancy terms, but they won't believe you Yeah. unless they can contact with you, they have real feeling with you. Instead, we use these kind of videos and articles, Facebook posts. We have real example, have real story, explain what we are thinking. So people will get more engaged in this process and they will start to believe in us. No, I think those are great advices, especially you know, coming from a machinery traditional industry. I think a lot of the businesses sometimes forget that, you know, in marketing, I think it mm -hmm. is 
not just sell, 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 but yeah. it's almost about educating. It's about storytelling. And, you know, with the pandemic, WHF was a hashtag you saw everywhere on Facebook. During the pandemic, I think, especially in a traditional manufacturing setting, sometimes working from home is difficult because, you know, you still need someone to attend to the machine. Yes. You have to be there mm-hmm. and then you got to configure the settings and mm-hmm. then you got to see, do testing, all that stuff. How were you, you able to sort of overcome that? Sure, we're still living in the real world. We're not (laughs) in the metaverse. And traditionally, before this pandemic, lots of this preparation is actually doing on the shop floor. Right now, we can utilize the new technology, especially our software capability that we make a lot of software and new tools to help people to prepare their work. Take our tube bending machine, for example. User can use our software to directly convert the 3D model of their product into a machine instructions. That was quite difficult before. Mm-hmm. The people, you need to hire an engineer to spend hours to converting all this data into machine understandable format. And right now we can have the software, just a few seconds you can convert all these things. Together with the tooling database and material database, we can find the best fit toolings and we can calculate the right parameters for the productions. And after we prepare all this, we don't have to go to shop floor to try out. Well, not anymore. Yeah, we have 3D simulation software and we can test the bending program in this virtual world. In the very future, I think, in the shop floor, there will be no one there, right? Like everyone's doing it remotely, <laughs> hopefully. I don't know, this might be, you know, virtual or meta space. Okay. You know, as we all know, ESG is definitely one of the hottest trending topics nowadays in business, mm-hmm. right? And uh, usually before we get into this ESG section, we like to share some trends, some statistics with our audience. When A survey conducted by PwC says that about 83% of consumers think companies should be actively shaping ESG practice. For business leaders, 91% believe their company has a responsibility to act issues. For employees, 86% prefer to work for companies that care about the same issues. Okay, about Soko, can you share with audience what's your view of the current ESG trend and how has Soko incorporated necessary measures in the machine development process? Okay, first I want to mentioned that ESG is not a new idea. It's actually from the beginning of our company that we are trying very hard to be responsible to our shareholder, to be responsible to the society, to our employees, and also trying very hard to do good things to our environment. Like in our factory, our HQ right now in Taichung, when we built it around 2006, we have already think of building in the solar panels and we have rainwater recycled system. Along the way, we also implement ISO 14000 standards. That is to be more sustainable, to save energy consumption, and to maintain the environmental healthness. All these things are not required by our customer. We are not driven by our customers, or there's no government regulation to our industry to make us do this. Because Soko is a company that we treat our employees, suppliers, and our customer as our family. And we think that to be family, we have to do more things to be responsible for the society and the environment. I think the most important things in ESG is actually the G part. You have to be responsible for your shareholder. The reason that they take money to invest in you because they want to make money. So making money is actually the biggest responsibility of any company. If anybody is saying that you have to put more money into social responsibility 
and into environmental responsibility, but lead to not become more profitable or become more sustainable is not a responsible way to be ESG. I think it's because the environmental crisis that we are facing right now. So the E part is much more important mentioned in all the articles. What Soko do in this field is that we think of actually making the machine tools itself did not cost a lot of energy and did not incur much environmental burden. But using our machine to make products might incur a lot of energy consumption and material waste. So that's the places that we're putting our efforts to reduce this part. Okay. We will have also another data that in the U.S., manufacturing accounts for 23% of direct carbon emission. And according to MAPI survey, smart factoring can have a significant improvement in one, energy consumption, two, factory utilization, and three, machine efficiency. So manufacturers have a huge opportunity to decrease their environmental impact from within. So we understand that SoCo has already started a process from the product production perspective, according to you previous said. So, but we want to take a step further to think about the customer end. And um, what do you think are their roles in the carbon emission process? As I already said, that people using our machine to produce products is actually producing more waste, consume more energy than we do. But we have to think for them. So we have to design the machine according to that. During this production, the most important thing is that we make sure that everything that has been made is useful. So you don't produce defective parts. So the quality and the stability of the machine itself is very, very important. And then the machine itself has consumed the less the energy, the, the better. So in our design that we have been changing all the energy hugging devices such as hydraulic systems, we have changed that into electrical motor with servo motors to save energy. That we only use energy when the machine needs to. And also we have multiple patterns how to save scrap. Like in our bending machine, we combine cutting and bending on the same machine. So that's how we attack this problem. But in the end, I think the most important thing is still that you are making products that people need. The most important things is not in the production side, design the product side. It's actually in the marketing, in the sales side. Yeah. So Joseph, thanks for sharing that part. I think that's very insightful in a way that, you know, a lot of times we think of carbon emission, we only think of it at our immediate end, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. okay, that's awesome. That's great. You know, in your space, I mean, there is a lot of competitors, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, just name for one, Germans are very good in, are Mm -hmm. one of the leaders in your industry. And furthermore, there's a lot of upcoming rivals in other parts of the world as well, including Mm -hmm. China and Southeast Mm -hmm. Asia, right? So Mm -hmm. how does... SoCo maintain its innovation and technology, be a leader of it in moving forward? Well, I would not say that we want to be the leader. People are not looking for the best machine. Like Germany, we know that Germany is very good at machinery, but the problem is that they are too far to the market. Right now, the manufacturing center is right here in Asia. We are much more closer to these places. And we have this tradition that we are close to the customer, work very hard to understand our customer to get their requirements. So our machine may not be the most advanced, the fastest, but I can assure that we put in the most effort not to make sure our machines suit our customers' needs. And also, I think the special in Taiwanese, we are trustable. After that, we said, okay, then we'll whatever 
effort we put in, we will make it. I think that is the most important things that we can competitive advantage in our parts. Yeah, no, it's a good thing we're in Taiwanese. You know, I understand, Soko, we are going to be exhibiting at Tim Toast. Yeah. The event is just around the corner. And so can you give us a sneak peek mm-hmm. of what potentially they can see at your booth? Yeah. We will show our famous SP32 left-right bending machine with a robotic arm and showcasing a special application. We will also showcase how to customize this kind of automation on the site. And in the laser cutting area, we will be showing our latest SLT155 fiber laser tube cutting system. And this machine not only improves stability and ease of use, but also have significant advance in terms of power and speed. We will also be showing our latest center alignment system for this machine. And we are also showing our latest sheet metal cutting machine, Solus 3015 Plus. Now, this machine has incorporated latest technology such as linear motor and optical skill and carbon fiber technology. And along with the machine, we're also showing a compact space-saving automatic loading and unloading system. In addition to the machine that we show on the exhibition hall, we also have arranged a free shuttle bus to our HQ every day. Oh, wow. So you can take the bus and go to our HQ to see the machine that we are not showing on the site. No, I think it's uh, just based on some of the things I just mentioned that you will be sh- exhibiting at the show from your booth, I think. So you're bringing the future to them right yes. now <laughs> to see it in front of their eyes. That is wonderful. So right here today on the show, would you like to maybe send out shout out, maybe a welcome message, encouraging them to your booth at Tim Toes 2023? Okay, I would say. Long time no see. Welcome to Tinto's 2023. After four years of pandemic, we are so excited to finally have our friends all over the world to visit us to experience the best of SoCo hospitality. Our goal is to help you to find the right solution for your problems. So we're looking forward to seeing you in TWTC Exhibition Hall 1, booth DO628. DO628. That's where we showing. Yeah, so everyone, make sure, definitely have that on your bucket list to make sure to visit SoCo booth and to check out the future of machinery right before your eyes. Before we end the show, I always like to sort of go back to a little on the softer side. I understand one of your life models is premature optimization is the root of all evil. Can you share with us, I mean, your definition of premature optimization? This is a quote from a famous computer scientist. Yeah. His name is Dr. Knuth. And it's describing that uh, when you're writing programs and you always want to make the program run faster. The premature means that before the optimization is done, you have to check if it, the optimization is really necessary or without knowing either the optimization will be have like a significant impact or overall performance of the system. You shouldn't do it. The personal experience. Actually, before I worked in SoCo, I was working with a lot of startups. Okay. And I have witnessed a lot of successful story and some failure story. Some of this failure is because they put too much um, resources in technological part. Yeah. Uh, they are improving the product, but actually the product is not needed yeah. by anybody. I would say that like Communism, like planned economy, is exactly the premature optimization. People want to foresee what will be happening. They are conjured up some economical decision based on their imagination. But the plan is too perfect. They cannot give up. 
So they force everybody to put in every resources to make something that nobody needs. It, it's not just waste of resources. It really do harms people. Yeah, no, thanks for that reminding. I, and I hopefully the audience today can take that away as well. Joseph, thanks for coming on the show today. That's all for today's show. And thanks for listening. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast channel for more trending insights from business leaders all around the world. And also do leave your comments and feedback. And if you like our show, don't forget to give us a five-star rating. And you can always follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook for the latest episodes, as well as the special podcast teasers. Okay, thank you, everyone. Hope you guys uh, learned just as much as I have today from Joseph and looking forward to seeing the advanced exhibition technology machinery at Tim Toes 2023. Thank you very much.